I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special episode, and we're doing something a little different. We have a guest named Leo Jacob. Leo Jacob works at the Bowery Hotel and helps run it. Moreover, he's also an amazing photographer, and he's been doing a really cool series of photos documenting the hospitality industry during the COVID crisis, and I'm such a fan of everything that he's done with it, and he's such a cool guy. I sought him out, and I'm so grateful that he came on and talked about his journey. It's super helpful for those of us that still have survival jobs in the hospitality industry, and it gives us a glimpse at what's going to come from that outside of COVID. And also his amazing photography that's going to be made into a book. Leo Jacob, I got so much love for you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Here it is. Leo Jacob, welcome to An Actor Despairs, a.k.a. Pope of the Bowery. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Dude. Uh, an honor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, man. It's a real honor to have you on. Yeah. I, I've yeah. been following your Instagram account for some time, man. And and you, I mean, uh, you're a photographer and, and, and many other things. And, and it's so cool what I think you're doing, you know, with, with regards to hospitality, as well as to just documenting everything that's New York is. And, yeah. you know, I mean, any, any real New Yorker knows not just the history of the hotel, of the Bowery, but the Bowery, you know, it just, I mean, you know, gangs in New York, you know, it's just, yeah. it, it goes back. So the Bowery boys, you know, it's, it's such a fraud it's part of New York and roll no history, it. yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's a part of New York. So, yeah, man. And, and, and yeah. your images are incredible, man. You have a real eye and it's so awesome to have you on. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, it's, it's funny the the images, you know, I, I was, uh, I don't know. Yeah. A photographer, I, I mean, per se, which is uh, an expression I hate using. I hate yeah. saying per se, but I'm saying it. Uh, years ago, I mean, we're talking about 14, 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I did like candid wedding photography. No way. <laughs> yeah. I would like dress up in a tuxedo and just like go to a wedding or a bar mitzvah or whatever. And 
just shoot candidates and then just, you know, edit them. And I realized it was just wildly unsuccessful. I mean, like it was a financially looming project to do because you get paid to show up to a wedding or whatever. And it's like, great. Then you have to edit pictures. And it's not like editing pictures like you do for fun. It's like, I want black and white, but the flowers to be red. And this is before all the filters. So you had to like manly do it. Oh, with like a, with a pen or whatever. That's amazing. With a mouse. Oh my God. So it's like, I gave up on it. I was like, it's just way too expensive. It's not worth the time. And at the time for me, at least then. And then years later, I'm at the Bowery and I started this relationship with Leica. Um, it was introduced to me uh, by a, you know, an actor at Cesar Hotel. And uh, he put us together and, you know, it's been working out. I mean, it, the Leica thing, actually, it's strange. I didn't create the partnership with us for the purpose of, using them to take pictures. It was for oh. guests. Yeah, no, the Leica, the whole Leica thing happened was I, I, I was giving it to, you know, a lot of actors and musicians and creatives that stay at the hotel when a lot of the times they essentially are displaced from their home and from their creativity. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, man, here's this camera or, you know, uh, why don't you bang around on this, keep the SD card and uh, just sort of, a you know, in the know, I suppose. It's something we advertise. Yeah, did, didn't one actor make a, a short film while he was there? Uh, maybe it's possible. Uh, you know, I think some people have definitely tried to do some stuff. I don't know if they use the Leica. Um, I know I just saw something come out the other day. We could get Bowery alerts, obviously. Anything that's oh, no hotel. <laughs> and I watched this thing and I was just like, this is unauthorized. Like, we don't allow filming in a hotel. Obviously. Yeah. I think we did one. No, we, we, we did a Woody Allen movie. The most no recent way. one. Yeah, wow. it was awesome. I saw the movie. It was great. But, you know, that's the one with uh, uh, Liev Schreiber and yeah. Chalamet. And yeah. they shot in the... They Selena shot in the Gomez. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. That's but yeah, awesome. So the, the, the photography thing really just kicked up and it started really with COVID, with the pandemic. Um, and it's been it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I I I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the images, they're, they're coming out, you know, a certain way and I like them. And, uh, you know, it's challenging though. I mean, I just got to, I'm learning all over again. I got one of these Wacom tablets with the pen and the oh, editing. Oh, wow. I love that, man. I have no idea how to even use it yet. Um, well, but, brother, if it's cool with you, before we dig yeah. into the work, let's start sure. from the very beginning. Where did you grow yeah. up? So I came to this country in 1990 as an immigrant from... Uh, what was then the Soviet Union. Okay. So I came from what the today's just commonly very well recognized as just Uzbekistan. Okay. Um, but I grew up there. Um, we came here uh, when I was 1990. I was five years old. Um, moved to Forest Hills. So I was a Forest Hills kid. Oh, so you came straight Queens, to New York. Wow. Straight to New York, uh, you know, to the five boroughs and moved to Forest Hills, Regal Park, and grew up there. Uh, that was That was home for a long time. Yeah, a long time. yeah. Which for I mean, Forest Hills now is is really nice. Was it then? Yep. You know. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, Forest Hills yeah. was yeah. It was nice. I mean, it was yeah. definitely a, a cultural hub for people that migrated from that region. Um, you know, but it had its own population. I mean, Forest Hills was like a big thing, and I think it was in the late seventies, early eighties. A lot of migration started coming there from even just the city. Um, so it's a it's a melting pot. It's a it's a melting pot. It's like a little community where you just have a lot of different cultures and cuisines and it's it's yeah. it's pretty cool yeah what, definitely what was, 
Definitely changing now is like a Shake Shack everywhere. And yeah, I know. I more mainstream. To, yeah. See the Arctic Monkeys. It's mm. so different now, but it's yeah, uh, Stadium, yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell me, man, you know, what, yeah. what were the parents' dream when they brought you here? Do they have one or did they just have to get out of the Soviet well, Union? Well, my mom came here with my sister. It was just the two of us and then my mom. So uh, my mom brought us here basically with like, it was like seven pieces of luggage and my sister and me, and she's older than me. And we came to JFK airport and that was it. You know, we came here for a certain better life, I guess is the cliche, but the reality is, you know, where we were growing up. I mean, there was, uh, there was some persecution towards yeah. the Jewish community and, um, you know, there was definitely a, a want to avoid that risk if, if I was a parent and, uh, with the Soviet union collapsing, a lot of people that were trapped were not able to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, once, once it collapsed and sort of regulations and eased up, people were just like, peace, I'm out. Yeah. And they basically left and they went to like, I think four Sills, Minnesota, and I think Australia. That oh, there were the like big, three ups. <laughs> no, those like the Russian, yeah. the, the sort of Uzbekistan, Russian Jewish community went yeah. there to those three places. That's amazing. I, I don't know. But so we came here and a lot of, there's a big community here in Queens still um, that comes from that region. And it's a, it's nice because there's a lot of support there, especially when you're coming here with nothing. You I was going to um, say, was, was that a tough transition for you as a young kid? Uh, you know, we certainly grew up, um, you know, we started with nothing. I mean, yeah. that's really it. You know, we started with, I had some uh, family here and they gave us a little bit of support. And my mom just grinded it out. I mean, she came here and she learned a new language. And, you know, we lived in a basement in the beginning and then we got into an apartment. And then, you know, it was really just a struggle. I mean, we learned the value of a dollar and hard yeah. work. Uh, but, you know, I, I, there was no real sort of, you know, uh, motherly, I think, specific aspiration, except for just the fact that we could find some sort of success and happiness yeah. and health and not worry about things. And, um, you know, so I think that was, that was a big part of it, but you know, there's always been a, a push towards creativity if there could be, um, Talk but you know, like any, that. like any Jewish mother, I should have been a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, that was a given. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. But you know, eventually I got out of that and, uh, <laughs> and you know, I sort of found my own way. I, I jumped around from career to career, just sort of like every job I had was somebody else's career for like 20 years. Got it. Um, and I sort of went from like, I worked at Sam Ash Music for two, two and a half years. And then from there, I went to the automotive industry. Then I got to banking. Then I got back wow. into this. And then eventually when I was about 25, 26, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And I got into hospitality, which was hard to break through. It was yeah, hard to break it's through. It's so um, hard to break through Especially to everyone listening out there, you know, it's it's hard. We're we're recording this obviously right now in the February, which is a tough, you know, one year of the pandemic. And, you know, we we were just speaking before. We don't know what this is going to really look like, you know. And so talk to me. uh, uh, A lot of people, you know, it's it's hospitality, such an interesting field in some ways, because so many people who don't want to be in it end up in it. And then so many people who want to be in it end up in it. And that's really like the only job I feel like that you have so many different people that are in it for so many different reasons. You know, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for almost 11 years now, I think. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Yeah. I think, uh, 10 years maybe. Uh, and you know, from the amount of people that I've met in the industry, you know, uh, I met everybody. 
I met everybody. Everybody yeah, in there sure. for the right for the right reason, for the wrong reason. Yeah. People who are just looking to excel. Uh, people who are looking to just get by. People who are artists. People who are creative. People who are just like they work. They get an audition. They quit. They go. They get another job. They get an yeah. audition. They quit. They, you know. So it's, there's a lot of this. It, it's a very um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an open door industry. Yeah, in yeah. Revolve, like, revolving it's very door. It's very transient. There's a yeah. lot of tourists in the industry. Uh, not to make a pun out of it, but like for example, I got into the hotel industry by not sheer luck, but I guess yeah, luck is a big part of it. But it came down from just starting a relationship with this, um, with the with the group at the Gansevoort. You know, okay. I, yeah, they like, were I was, the, I was in the food and beverage department when I opened that hotel, and I made friends with the the front desk staff, which is a different entity. Yeah. And it was only because I just sort of worked on my interpersonal skills, I suppose, to sort of create bonds with people. And I ended up leaving and then that person ended up going to the dream hotel. And then she called me and says, Hey, do you want to make zero money and but get into the hotel industry on the hotel side? And I was like, yeah. And ever since then I got into the industry, I started the dream downtown and wow. just worked my way up sacrificed a lot of my personal life i'm sure man um, i know how those hours are you know a lot of cheese doodles and dr pepper was part of my diet there was no money living in the city and uh making no money essentially at that time yeah and just grinding it out i mean you know sort of moving sort of it's not a corporate ladder in the hotel industry yeah. a lot of it is really just about you know the best advice that was given to me was you know do the work first and the money will come if you want to get promoted to the next job, the person who's in charge, just show them that you can do that work. Yeah, do it well. And that way, when you ask for it, they're going to be like, all right, you're already doing it. Yeah. You know, and you've seen success. And so that's sort of been my motto in working. But, you know, I think with the hotel industry, it's you know, hotel hospitality. It's a little bit different. Restaurants and hotels, sort of different ethos. Um, yeah. And work ethics, I suppose. But I think to anybody like right now who in February is like, man, I need to figure out what to do. I think staying busy is important, um, but also stay in touch. I mean, keep in touch with the people who are in that industry and just yeah. talk to them because once things rebound, it's going to be like a bat out of hell. I'm I mean, sure. I've no The amount of people that work in the hotel and the restaurant industry that have left New York, moved out of state at this point, yeah. is paramount. And uh, the amount of them that have become real estate agents in the past uh six months is insane wow i mean everyone that i, I mean so many people i know that went from hotels have gone to real estate yeah because it's the most logical step they can do um but you know you got to just have faith and keep working at it just be I'm in touch with people yeah. you know because obviously like you know we're new yorkers so forgive yeah. me forgive me audience if you're not yeah. following some of the names i'm gonna yeah. drop here but you know for those you know i did I'm an actor, so obviously yeah. I've spent my time in hospitality. And before that, I was a douchebag promoter at all the New York spots. And uh, <laughs> I'm sober. I'm sober four years now. So, right. but, uh, but uh, you know, man, I'm curious. When you switched from food and beverage into yeah. hotel, was there? You know, I, I ask actors this all the time. Yeah. Was there like a? I want to go the Ian Schrager path. I want to go the Abby Rosen path. I want to. You know, was there? You know, uh, Andre, uh, I always fuck up his last name. Blas, yeah, Blas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that 
was that even something that was like in the forefront of your mind or were you just eager for a job? What was in the forefront of my mind at that time was to know the job I don't want. Yeah. You know, um, I started as a reservations agent making, I think it was like $18 an hour when I was 26 years old. So yeah, 10 years ago, whatever it is. Uh, and, um, you know, I started from there and then worked at it, went up to like a coordinator role in the sales department, then a junior sales manager, then a sales manager, then corporate sales, and then eventually one day entertainment and then became a director, what they call an executive in the hotel industry. And But the thing for me was you have your lifestyle hotels, you have your party hotels, and then you have your corporate hotels, and then you have your brand hotels like Hyde Hilton's, right? So, so to answer to answer to answer your question, I found out that I succeed best and I work best in an independent owner boutique environment, like a NERCON kind of way, or well, yeah. So NERS NERS you know NERS worked with a lot of them and has been a partner in a lot of establishments and owned his own. But yeah, when I say that, I mean like you know you have your intercontinental hotel group, right? Working for one of those hotels versus working for. Like at the Barry, I'm working for Richard Bourne, you know, Sean McPherson, Eric Good. I mean, like, and um, uh, Ira Drucker. I mean, these are independent owners. They're yeah. not a force. They're not a corporation. Um, and when you do that, you have a very different way of doing business. So to answer your question, as I moved up and changed hotels, I found that what I'm looking for is a, a, a hotel company that runs really independently and really values uh, the opinions of the staff, uh, including their salespeople or your general yeah. manager, and they have input. So I found that once you move towards a more boutique side, you have a lot more freedom and yeah. creativity you know, to change the narrative or change the conversation or the strategy or, or the relationships you want to have on a corporate level or how you want to brand or market the hotel. When you work in a big box hotel brand, uh, your ideas, they are listened to, but you they know, go to the wayside because they got a you're not, owners some meeting. executive yeah, yeah 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 it's like uh no we're not doing that um and so you don't really have a chance to really be creative or sort of change the narrative or think out the box yeah as opposed to in these independent boutique hotels which could be you know uh a 30 room property versus 135 room property but when you're an independent you know like you interact with the owner uh yeah. and you're not interacting with like 14 bosses ahead of you who micromanage you so that to me was important. I didn't find that until I really moved around a little bit. Um, and some people blossom really well in structure, like really corporate structure. I don't. Yeah, me uh, either. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah, I, I would not survive in that world. <laughs> <Very That, long>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's so cool, way. man. So yeah. then at, as you, you know, built your way up in the dream, yeah. was, was there a few more steps in between Bowery or was Bowery post-dream? So I left the dream... Um, went to another hotel, not going to name it necessarily. You can just look it up and find it. Didn't work out very well there. I did spend some time at the Soho Grand, which was a, which was a good experience. And from there, I basically got the opportunity to become like my own, what you call director of sales and marketing and lead a team of nine or 10 people. And I had an opportunity to do that. And I went to go do that. And that, that did not work out. I ended up getting, uh, uh, parting ways with that company six months <laughs> later. Okay. And then from there, I went back to the dream for a little bit. And ultimately, I left that company um, and just took some time off. I took about eight weeks off to sort of just reestablish what I want as a human being. You know, I mean, when you, when you work in these companies, 
travel is really sexy. It's like, oh, I travel and all this. And it yeah. is. Yeah. But, you know, you're gone 20 year, twenty weeks a year sometimes, cumulatively. And that changes your life. I mean, yeah. it changes the way you meet people. It changes a lot. And you sacrifice some of your personal life for it. Um, so I, I sort of just took a step back and said to myself, you know what? I'm sort of done doing this corporate hotel world thing as a matter of fact i think i'm done with the industry yeah and i started talking to another company and uh they're no longer operated in new york city for that specific location but it was uh the uh uh ryman hospitality group they were doing the um man it escapes escapes my head right now um what is it the ryman is the uh Jimmy Grand Ole Opry. Grand Ole Opry. Oh, okay. Got uh, it. Yeah. So they were opening up City Stage in Times Square. And I was talking to the ownership and the management about segueing and transitioning into that industry. And ultimately, it was going to go in that direction. Then the Barry and me sort of aligned. Um, I applied to the job. It was confidential, but there were some people involved. And I sort of knew it was the Barry because of the description. Yeah, And I knew somebody that put in a, a really good word for me. Um, I ended up having the interview and it was sort of like when I, when I sat there and they're like, so what would you change at this hotel? And I was like, nothing. I don't want to change yeah. it. This is the, yeah, one it of the best hotels so in New York City. I, like, yeah. I just don't want to yeah. fuck it up. I mean, yeah. so that was, I think, exactly what I said to uh, one of the owners when, when we discussed it. And also, you know, ultimately I was just like, I just want to be a part of this and, and make it maybe maybe fine tune some things. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to inter integrate what I've learned and, and make this a corporate hotel. I don't, we, it's not what we do here, but I found that once I started working for the company, you know, it was good. It was a really good symbiotic sort of um, management style with the general manager and the ownership. And I don't know it's a really rewarding place to work. And, I've been there for almost four years, I think. Come wow. coming this June or July. Congratulations, and, man! And you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I couldn't be happier. People are always like, you know, I get recruiters calling me once in a while, and they're like, "Well, we can offer you this." I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm happy." Like, yeah, they're like, they're like, "We'll give you more money." I was like, "Yeah, but that means more trouble." You know, yeah, get, I don't need that extra zero because I'm happy. The more the more you get paid is is sometimes you know they pay you that much, um, for your time. Yeah. Not necessarily for any other reason, except for the fact they want to call on you at, you know, 8 p.m. on a Sunday and say, hey, email me your spreadsheet about some nonsense, you know? So, yeah. so for me, it really is about happiness. And when I started working at the Bowery, it's sort of, I mean, not only aesthetically is it very much me, um, but I sort of blossomed there. I sort of integrated my, what I've learned and also my, my sort of style of, talking to people together and uh, you know, it, it's, it's been working out really well. Um, well, it's such so. a family unit hotel, you know, for yeah. those that are lucky enough to be in that it's the, I would, I mean, I feel like it's the closest thing we have to the Chateau Marmont. And I, yes, I personally, yeah. I personally think it's better, you know, yeah. because it's just, it's so yeah. unique and it's, it's hard to get. It's, it's similar. It's hard. It's hard to get in ish. I mean, now it's very hard to get in because of COVID. Um, you know, regarding like lobby spaces and stuff, yeah. but you know, it's, it's not, 
inaccessible. People can go there. Um, Especially to the bar yeah. in the lobby. Yeah. But yeah. You don't, there's no greasing the wheels there. It's just really, can we get, can we do it? You know, yeah. I mean, it gets really busy there sometimes. And obviously we, we prioritize for the hotel guests. Um, but it's a, it's a really special place. I mean, I've had so many fond memories. A lot of the people that you've interviewed, I've met there. Yeah, and, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and uh, I can call some of them friends. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's been a really rewarding place, but also a place that, you know, is still growing in its yeah. own way. Um, you know, we've, we've been going through this now. We closed March 16th, 18th. And, uh, you know, I stayed on. Uh, with a couple During of the, the other, whole shutdown, yeah, I mean, yeah. some of the the other uh, top management team, I guess you can say the GM, myself, and a few others, stayed on all on essentially reduced salaries, and we were just managing the business end of it, yeah, and also basically custodians uh, as well of the building. <laughs> um, but you know, I remember just sort of thinking like, oh, we're going to open in May. Nope, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> nope, we. We wanted to open as soon as possible every single moment we could. Yeah. But it just didn't feel right. And it wasn't really right until really like around September. And we've reopened and it's been it's been good. I mean, it's been good to rehire a lot of the staff that we had to let go, unfortunately. And uh, it's been it's been rewarding to see some of the faces come back. And you know, it's a struggle though, because there's a lot of Is my boy concerns. Rico still there? Rico's there. Oh, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, Rico's Rico's there. Rico, funny enough, Rico and I, I ended up getting involved in some production for a movie of as like a sort of like a, a as one of his drag queen characters. No, or? God, oh. no, 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 not his movie. But me and him were both part of a production uh, that we're staying in the hotel, and they were like, "Thank you for everything. Why don't you just come by and join?" this will give you some lines and i was like all right <laughs> that's awesome and it, it didn't work out I, mean, I ended up going it didn't work out because of it was a monsoon at the time and i was going to nashville and i was like i gotta bounce i have a yeah. work trip so i didn't come back so they cut me that day but i still got the credit i think i got like a sag letter in the mail dude you're like, doing better than me <laughs> what the fuck I, I, had, I, had I had some really good friends pissed off they're like i've been here for seven years yeah. i spent all this money and of course you just get a sag letter in the mail uh you know because you run a hotel or yeah. whatever and i'm like uh, i don't know you know yeah. i never went forward with that obviously but it's still it was still a pretty cool experience to be on set and be in a trailer i was like this is dope yeah uh, and i was like yeah maybe i can be an actor and i was like i had a fantasy i was like maybe i can get killed by all my favorite actors and movies, like oh, they'd be have so my, fun. Be sh like, be shot to death by like yeah. John Reeves and John Wick Four. Oh my, that hotel <laughs> so right is so right for John Wick. That's got to be the next Project Eli film. Yep. There, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. So, well, yeah. I, I'm curious to talk to you, you know, because yeah. I feel like I, you know, as an outsider, forgive me if this sounds very amateur, but I feel like. You know, as the 90s were, you know, going on, it was a lot of those box hotels you were talking about. Yeah. And then in the early 2000s and even even after the crash, the, the yeah. rise of boutique and yeah. and cultivated experiences really became a phenomenon that like, yeah. you know, interested people that aren't just wealthier celebrities, but people who want a, a cultivated experience or, or curated experience. Yeah. I mean, and um I'm curious to ask you, you know, do, do you see that as something that's uh, something that's is, is, is growing, 
you know, like it's something that you, these kind of hotels that, you know, are kind of the anti box hotels in some ways are, are the future. The anti, the anti hotel hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, I have, you know, and, and just speaking as a person that is in the industry, not necessarily representing the Barry hotel. I mean, you know, what I think about hotels is, is, is I believe a hotel should be a place that serves a purpose to a specific type of clientele yeah. and that clientele can sort of vary. You yeah. know, I think that if, if, if it was up to me, every hotel would be a little bit of a melting pot where you have, you know, um, a very mixed type of traveler together. Yeah. But the aesthetic I believe should always be unique. You know, I think, I think uh, having a curated scent in the lobby, you know, sure. Yeah. I, I Park person, Hotel does. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, curated scents necessarily, you know, but the lifestyle boutique feel, I think it works, but you know, I don't think necessarily they should turn into, corporate hotels. I think that if you're going to be a boutique independent lifestyle, shoot from the hip sort of rock star or sexy party, whatever your niche is, if you're going to be that, yeah, be that, don't be that. And then be like, let's sign IBM and get them as corporate travelers. I think that if they come organically, so be it. But I don't think it should be made part of the business plan or the sales or marketing plan to negotiate corporate accounts into these um lifestyle boutique hotels because it's a clash of of expectations yeah you know when you're when you're a seasoned traveler and you're staying all day long at fox hotels like hilton's or whatever you have an expectation of a certain amenity or policy and then you walk into a boutique hotel where it's just like two people running the desk you're like, hey, can I get this? And they're like, mm, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not how we do center. that here. <laughs> we don't have yeah. a business center, yeah. you know. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I, I think a lot of hotels they 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 have an idea of being you know cool and edgy and this and that. And I think that it works, but I think what they do is they pull in this old strategy of trying to incorporate travelers on a pre-negotiated level as a part of their business plan, and those clash constantly. Yeah. I do believe, though, if you were to open up a hotel or manage a hotel, it's a boutique independent, just welcome everybody. If somebody wants to book and pay that rate, have fun. Yeah. Have the person who's you know, decked out in John Barbados and then the person who's wearing a Brooks Brothers suit at the bar Yeah, and let them talk. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. think it should necessarily be forced upon them to have to sort of travel into that. That's sort of what I believe. Um you know, because I've been on, I've been in those hotels. You know, yeah. I've been in those hotels where it's like, this is what what is happening here? Like, how yeah. did I walk into a, a, a? Everyone's wearing name tags, and there's a conference happening. Oh god! And, but you've got a live band playing, and it's yeah. just like, what is happening? You know, so I don't know. That's sort of my my opinion on it. I do think that each of those hotels do serve a purpose, though. You know, I think there's plenty of hotels, maybe not right now, but yeah. <laughs> in general, so. Yeah. And, and so then talk to me, man, well, what, you know, I can only imagine, you know, cause I, I, I think it was maybe one of the owners of Bowery or it could be mistaken it for a different hotel, but who said that, you know, in March, last March pre-predicted yeah. this, that, that one out of five hotels in New York would be lucky to survive the pandemic. And when, when you were, yeah. 
when you were working during, you know, the crazy times where it was shut down, what did it feel like to you? Were you at all concerned that, you know, you know, because all these outside of New Yorkers call me all the time and they're like, what's it like living in New York, man? Everything's dead now. Everyone's gone. It's never coming back. And I'm like, fuck you. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, in the New York, in in New York hotels, I mean, we all basically know each other. Yeah. And if we don't know each other, we know each other by association. So totally. it's like, if I call any hotel, I'm like, Hey, is the director of sales there? They're like, who's this? I'm like director of sales, the battery, like, sure. Put you in touch. And then we'll just like shoot the shit and talk about what's going on. I mean, like, you know, it wasn't a very competitive environment. Usually hotels, they keep everything pretty guarded from each other because there's a certain, they sort of compete against each other. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the case. I mean, at all. I mean, a lot of the hotels, I mean, like, we're calling the GMs and directors of sales and directors of housekeeping of other hotels. I'm like, what do you guys have in place? What are you using for cleaning protocols? What have you negotiated? Oh, it was, it was really have? open dialogue. Very that's, open. Yeah. That's so day, beautiful. Yeah. Like if I have a question, I can reach out to the GM of the Soho Grand and, you know, uh, LCR, Lauren, she'll, she'll be like, oh yeah, we're doing this, 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 that, whatever. I mean, this is what we're finding and vice versa. They're like, hey, what are you doing with this? department or how are you handling this or where are you sourcing your goods from? I mean, like, so because the supply chain has been so disrupted because of COVID, obviously we're all sort of just supporting each other. I mean, nobody is right now trying to make money. Everyone's just trying to lose less money. Yeah. You know, it's just about operating sort of on a smaller net loss than operating at anything that we're used to. Yeah, um, so, of course. so it's been a pretty supportive time. I mean, from March and on, I mean, we were constantly just all reaching out to each other. And a lot of times it was just like, what are you opening? What are you thinking? How yeah. do you do this? You That's know? what I, um, I was on Bowery hotel yeah. all the time. Like when's yeah. it, when's Gemma coming back up? I got to go, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, it, it started to really come together around, I think May, June, July, we started to really have conversations and preparing for it. And then it was just like that. I mean, it was like, all right, we're opening of Gemma in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> leave it. Uh, you know, um, but it was it was it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's a very emotional time. Yeah, I mean, we were all sort of like, "Is this the end of my career?" Yeah, and I was talking to a friend, one of my closest friends, who's in in London now. He relocated back there. Uh, you know, he was like, "What do we do if this doesn't come back? What's there's no end in sight right now?" You know, yeah. once we realized it wasn't going to be like a two-week turnaround and we're all going to be fine we were just like well what am i doing for the rest of my professional life yeah does it mean anything you know no i mean people were getting let go i mean i knew i was one of the few i think directors of sales and marketing in the industry that stayed on a lot were on furlough or just laid off it's a testament to how how amazing you are man you know and your energy uh, maybe it is it is it is i think i think i think it was i think our owner also just recognized the fact that you know it's important to to sort of have and i can't speak for him i'm not sure if this is exactly what his thought process was but you know ultimately we've done everything we could for the past couple of years in this hotel we're going to continue to do it but also at the same time it's like when the doors open it's important to make sure you have somebody inside to open them yeah um you know and sort of manage also the correspondence i mean while we were closed we had guests calling us, reaching out to us, emailing us, asking us how we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, we created the GoFundMe for our staff. I mean, I saw that was, I contributed. Yeah. It was yeah thank so you. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. There was, there was a lot of work to still be done. I mean, 
Oh, having running a hotel is one thing. Closing one down is a whole different ball game. I mean, such there's, a great there's statement. A yeah, a lot that takes takes. There's a lot to do. Um, yeah. you know, so it was good to stay on and sort of, you know, the general manager and myself at the time, the director of events, who who has since then changed industries, but like our director of engineering, director of housekeeping, like we're all brainstorming constantly about if we open tomorrow, how yeah. do we do it? Because at that moment, it was just one of those things where we did, it wasn't really up to us to open the hotel. It, it wasn't necessarily even up to the owner. It was about up to the state and the city yeah. and the federal government to sort of say. The bureaucracy, if you will. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. because the hotels weren't necessarily forced to shut down. They were forced to shut down because they're not essential. Yeah. So it was one of those gray areas. Um now, we have residents in our hotel on the top couple floors. Yeah, were they able to stay? Or? Yeah, I mean, we had we had we had them uh, throughout. I mean, they have access. They have a residence, so they can come yeah. and go whenever they want. So it's yeah. important to make sure that certain things and amenities of the building are upkept. So, you know, we were sort of custodians in a lot of ways. Um, you know, but during that time, it was definitely this overcast of what's next and. Trying to stay positive through that was, I think, very important. We all sort of did our own way of doing it. Yeah. You know, I sobered up for the first time in my life. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. I, I spent like, I think, two months just not drinking. And then oh, drinking only every Sunday for the, the Last Dance documentary. I just okay. got this <laughs> per episode. One of my friends who did the yeah. show edited that yeah. and won yeah. the Emmy. So I'll have to tell well, you. When we, yeah. when we announced that the hotel was reopening, I was like, I got to go Jordan. I was like, so... That's so like, rad, I'm man. back, you yeah. know, and, uh, and that was really cool. It was really exciting to, to announce that, and, you know, it was, it was important to sort of stay connected to people. I think, uh, especially the guests and keep updating them. Um, you know, we, look, we had a few hotels, we had the Ludlow, the Malton, the Maritime, and we're all interconnected talking to each other. Do, do you oversee all those or just the no, oh, okay. no, 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 no. No, I oversee, I mean, you know, we have the general manager, you know, there's myself and, you know, we all oversee certain aspects of the hotel. The GM oversees all of us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I work, um, you know, I work closely with the GM and the Maritime and the Marlton and the Ludlow and I talk to them and, you know, support each other every weekend and, you know, but we, you know, I, I no, but I only oversee the battery, um, I, I, which is perfect. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but so it's been, you know, as a constant contact and, you know, Look, we all we all talk to each other, and it's a very small industry. It really is. Yeah, it became even smaller during yeah. the pandemic, though, for sure. Well, during so, the pandemic. So was yeah. this where the uh, the the photography project started being born? Yeah. The idea so, for that. It was that stupid article that came out about New York City is dead. Here's why. That, that guy that Jerry Seinfeld was like, you're a fucking idiot. And yeah, posted, this, yeah, 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 that yeah. guy. Yeah, and you fuck know, that like, guy. I'm saying it here. <laughs> well, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, you have your opinion and it's fine, you know, but he was just wrong. He's and, so wrong. And the thing is, though, you know, working in hospitality, downtown New York City, you know, downtown, not financial district, obviously, but working in the Barry and being so close to the Soho restaurants and Nolita and Noho and all you know, Lower East Side, East Village. I mean, it's a big part of New York. And for people to be telling me that it's dead sort of pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I think we already had indoor 
dining, I think. No, outside dining started already at the time. Yeah, you had the little and, cu- yeah. cubby and holes. Had, yeah. yeah, and I had Leica come by and they did. No, inside dining was already happening because the Leica oh, did a dinner. Okay. Yeah, Leica did a dinner at the hotel and, you know, we were just all talking. And then I eventually approached um, the person I have a relationship with there and said, I have an idea, you know. And it sort of started with uh, my buddy Julian, who um, is the, he works at Carbone. Oh, wow. And I, I took a picture of him with the Q2. And, uh, and I said, meet Julian on my Instagram account. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, huh, everyone's saying the city's dead. Only a few people who really know New York know that it's not. But yeah. maybe I can shine a light on all these operations open yeah because mind you at that time and still currently a lot of restaurants are closed oh yeah a lot of restaurants are closed a lot of hotels are closed a lot of storefronts have been struggling um so i was like you know what maybe i can i have this leica yeah. <laughs> let me point it at them <laughs> and take a picture and then were you good with the aperture and things like this already or did you learn as I you mean, went i i worked on the queue i had the queue for what two and a half years i think yeah I'm very familiar with it, but then uh, they like uh, gave me this Q2, and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so it was similar but different. So I learned how to use it, and it was, it, it's not a very, it's not terribly complicated if you understand what each function is. But, you know, I basically just thought if I can show some awareness yeah. of all these places that are open and operational through covid yeah not necessarily because you know it's no one's making money everyone yeah. right now is just trying to lose less money but also trying to keep their staff employed yeah you know a lot of these places hotels and restaurants that are operating they're not doing it necessarily for the money they're doing it because they want to employ their staff they want yeah sure they also want to make sure they stay relevant and they are yeah. available to somebody who is coming to new york city because if you're not open, no one's going to come. And there's no tr- chance of redemption then because yeah. in six months, no one's going to care. You know, people and are going to be there. And I think a lot of it is, you know, not, there's not, I don't think relevance isn't the right word. But in, in retrospect, there is going to be this sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah, they weren't open during that time. Yeah. You know, and that's sort of also not what my book is about. But it's it's certainly not highlighting the ones that are closed. It's highlighting yeah. the ones that are open. And it really is focusing on restaurants and then some storefronts. And then I'm also focusing on some members of the entertainment industry. I, I was going to say as, some people yeah. as well, right? You, yeah. you focus on different fixtures. Yeah, and- because a, a lot of, you know, as you know, entertainment is a big part of, of, of New York City. It's also a big part of the city's taxes. I mean, yeah. there's tax credits that are given to production for shooting here. And, you know, a lot of people want to start production as soon as possible or weren't able to, or then when they did start, they had issues with it. But essentially, all they wanted to do was to produce and direct and film and do the hair and makeup and work. Yeah. So I found it to be almost on the same level. Well, I should say this. It's definitely the same same, same ballpark, you yeah. know. Um, so I wanted to include them as well. So I definitely got, you know, uh, Henry Alex Rubin. Owner Tukal. Yeah. Um, who I noticed, by the way, you, you interviewed. Um, I, for, I forgot the, the the woman's name, but she was on Banshee, and I think you interviewed Trace her. Kelly Dunn. Yeah. So yeah. owner owner directed her in a movie. Um, I think 
recently called the sometime other than now the misogynist or? oh the misogynist okay yeah so that's owner so i yeah. interviewed owner yeah um and you know it really it really is just the three questions that i asked everybody which is what is new york city what do you say to those that say it's dead and you know how has your experience in new york city sort of changed your life so everybody yeah. asks is asked the same it's question. such an amazing idea for a project, man. I mean, it yeah. it really blew me away, and and you crushed it. It's yeah. for everyone, you know. Do you mind if I drop your Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Pope of the Bowery, check it out. I mean, dude, what's what's the plan? What can we do? How do we get a gallery showing of this? What well, is there? I think right now, you know, I I've got I've got about twenty one subjects completed, shot, done, answered. I just finished uh, Russ and Daughters that I just shot one of our owners, Sean McPherson, of his restaurant, the Waverly Inn. I just shot him the other day. Oh, awesome. So, so those are going up soon. And, um, you know, right now I'm talking to um, a publisher or two publishers about possibly working with me on this or I'll self-publish. I'd rather not self-publish because yeah. this is my first project. I don't want to screw it up. Yeah, you um, don't know what you're doing yet. Yeah, you know. I like, have an idea, but like... Well, I don't mean, I don't mean that to discredit you. I mean, the publishing no, but world it's, is it's, so complicated. Publishing is, yeah. is complicated because of the book aspect, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you can go through these, these publishing manufacturers online and spend $85 a book. Yeah. And, you know, a publisher obviously has more sway yeah. with distribution. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure that piece out. I mean, it really is just coming... It, it's going... It's there, there will be a Kickstarter. Um, Which I will promote Thank on you. this podcast and have you back for. Thank you. Uh, the um, Kickstarter, the, I'm probably going to put the Kickstarter together in March, maybe okay. April. Um, I'm going to be done shooting by April 30th is my schedule. I want the book to be Meaning available. That's, that's going to be the end of the project? Yeah. The, the book. Okay. The end of end of at least book one. Book I mean, one, you know, yeah, I'd yeah. like to get obviously as many places involved as possible, but the problem is, you know, it's been also just so hard to get in touch with people. Yeah, a lot of people are not around and not in state. Um, and you got and, a job, and you can't be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, balancing the schedule has been very tough. Um, you know, I I don't I I've never had a real day off, and now I really don't have a day off. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's it's. I mean, look, all, the Kickstarter is going to come out. I have I have a very good hopes about this publisher who I just spoke to. I'm not going to drop their name because they haven't agreed to anything yet. No, yeah, not, not if, it goes, if it goes in that direction, I mean, Leica is going to distribute the book. They're going to, they're going to sell some of them in their, in their retail stores. Um, you know, I want this book to be not on Amazon. I don't want yeah. it to be on Barnes and Noble. I want it to be in New York city bookstores and maybe some LA bookstores. Um, but you know, the, the project will, you know, they're, there's going to be a Kickstarter. That money is going to be used to seed the project. Obviously, people on the Kickstarter will have an opportunity to donate or you know uh, contribute to the fund, and they'll get a book or a print. Yeah. Uh, there will be a website that will allow you to purchase prints of, let's say, for example, you want to buy a print of Mario Carbone of Major Food Group. Yeah. You know, it'll be dated, autographed, signed, whatever. Um, and if that print costs, let's say, a hundred dollars, you know, there'll be a kickback to major food group oh man that's towards amazing. so for them to build up on their end yeah. um for them to donate on their own and or for their staff uh so that'll be relevant to every single uh, subject that i shoot uh and from the retail sales of the book hopefully there will be some no uh, there will be <laughs> we gotta uh, make shirts i'll wear it well, so open the bowery shirts four books uh leo sold four books uh but <laughs> So, you know, whatever retail sales are made, a portion of those proceeds will go towards 
a relief fund um, based for based on New York City uh, employees that sort of suffered through um, the financial hardships. I haven't picked a fund yet. There's so many. I just need to sort of find the right one, uh, yeah. and they'll be they'll be given a, a write a check to them basically as a part of the proceeds. And just you know, I want this. I want you know, I have a career. I have a job. This is not necessarily uh, you know. Somebody asked me today, like, oh, you know, are you motivated by money? I'm like, I, you know, who isn't? Yeah, but this sure. isn't this yeah. isn't that. I mean, like, this is a. Uh, it, for anybody who doesn't know, it's incredibly hard to have a lucrative photo book. Yeah. Um, you know, so it really is just about trying to give back to my community and my industry um, and trying to support it with whatever means I can. You know, I'm I'm just a professional hotel person, essentially. Yeah. And if, if this helps and it, it shows them recognition that they've been open and it keeps them in the eyes of, of people in the press or in the photo book community or in the Leica community, if it just builds awareness of them trying to operate, uh, that to me is a mitzvah. That's the way I sort of look at it. And, you know, I, I'm nervous about the project. Uh, I've just come Why? up with the title. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's my first book. Uh, you're, dude, you're doing so great. It looks amazing. We're all no, in I, our heads, you know, yeah. man. It's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like I love cinema. I try and shoot things in a cinematic way. Yeah. In a if, very sort of that's dramatic great, way if I can. I, I'm glad you said that. If if you don't mind yeah. me asking, yeah. who were some influences on you, you know? Well, it's really I mean I, it's hard to say that there are a lot of photography influencers necessarily, uh, because of so much of my influence comes from film. Because well, that's I, fine, you know, you know. Yeah. It's not it, more like you know, Michael, like Michael Muller, who's, this is his, yeah. you know, he's been, he's been a great, uh, supporting me, give me a lot of advice. Uh, I love his work. Anybody knows who he is. He's, he's shot. I mean, you name a Marvel or a DC, uh, poster. He's probably done that picture. Wow. Uh, and he did a great book on shocks, but like, you know, he's been a huge help and an influence definitely, especially his black and white stuff. But for me, it's also been a lot of the cinematic stuff. I mean, like I'm a big, godfather guy like, i love the yeah. godfather so you'll uh, see a lot of these posters, yeah you know? legendary uh, yeah i love that that's <laughs> so, so rad yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm you know my 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 handle is pope of the bowery for anybody who's not aware that stems from pope of the greenwich village yeah which is one of my favorite movies of all time and uh you know i try and look at things from an outside perspective and when you when you walk by these storefronts or restaurants um you know, obviously there is a piece where you want to sort of center it and, and have a sort of composition, but it's also really just about light. It's a lot of it just about light. And, you know, I try and look at it as if, as if this was a movie scene and yeah. I can capture a still. That's you know, exactly that's, the vibe I get. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of the way I'm looking at it is, you know, if this could be a movie poster or if this was just a still of somebody, this would look pretty cool. Um, but the most awkward thing for me is to give direction. Uh, <laughs> like I, you know, I back two I, steps to the left, smile yeah, left, I, shoulders oh, back. It's disaster! It's a disaster. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I photographed our, our owner uh, two days ago, and I was I was so nervous photographing <laughs> That's so him. So funny, man! I'm like, he can fire me right now. Uh, you know, I was like, yeah. uh, maybe you can look over there yeah. and sort of think this, and you know, um, but. A lot of it has been, you know, uh, I have to say a lot of it is also the camera. I mean, yeah. the cameras that I'm using, 
I don't want to say they they're forgiving, but I do want to say that they certainly have the mechanism built inside to capture the right moment at the right time. They're very fast. They're taking a lot of light. I mean, I'm shooting, I mean, this is the Q, yeah. which uh, I'm not using really anymore. I'm shooting right now mostly with the SL2 and the Q2. Okay. But like, I mean, at night, 6 p.m., just some some street lights you have out there. You can take the Q2 at a 1.7 aperture, no flash unit, and get the picture. Wow. And it looks really cinematic. And you don't need a big flash unit. I mean, that's what I was using in the beginning. I didn't get the SL2 till later. No way, so, man. So, like, I shot a uh, spiky full outside of the Freehand Hotel. That was just with the Q2. No flash, nothing. And shout you know, out Leica. Yeah, yeah, I, Leica. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, they, they've they been a huge supporter of this project. And, uh, you know, I just I want it to be successful because it means that more if the more successful it is the more people will know about these places that's sort of the way i look at it you know um this could be a beginning to another maybe way for me to be creative yeah man i haven't felt creativity in a long time i can see your art up now at all the new york hotels it's coming yeah yeah it's like you know it's it's also good for me to be as creative as possible and and if it means finding the right angle or making the edits the way I like. Cause I use, I don't have presets. I have my own yeah. way that I like the, the pictures to look, but it, even just messing around with that makes me feel creative and it makes me feel like I have some sort of level of input into this, this moment that I've captured and it's fun. You know, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's very stressful too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, as you know, outside right now, it's snow everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've had and, to and the dirty, and, gross snow too, not the cool snow. You'll but, see uh, like, the, I just shot uh, Russ and Daughters. I mean, like I was like on top of a, a mountain Oh yeah, that's snow. my hood. Next time, yeah. hit me up. <laughs> so it's been, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun, but you know, I will say it's been, nobody's not supported this idea yeah i can well i mean it's it's a brilliant idea man everyone everyone's been very supportive of it um thank you for coming on and talking about it it means so much to me thank you for letting me (laughs) yeah yeah well brother two final questions for you uh you know a it's it actually we got to hang out now i have to say that you know yeah it's it's my birthday next week i haven't been to the bowery since it closed so i'll come by but definitely come by but uh dude i i I, if you don't mind you know for all those listening that are you know really interested in not only you know well this is twofold then i suppose that are interested in let's do hospitality first people that you know want to get in the hotel business any words of wisdom for them and then same for photographers uh yeah um i love the hotel industry i think that if you are looking and people say this all the time i want to be a citizen of the world you know it sounds cool but the reality is if you really want to be a citizen of the world the best way to do that is to work in a new york city hotel yeah because if you can if you can work in a new york city hotel and you decide you're going to get up and move to Thailand, I guarantee you that Thailand hotel will hire you. Yeah. Because the chops that it takes to really make it in New York City hotel and the things that you learn just through osmosis uh, will give you life lessons. Yeah. Um, And also you'll just gain a lot of skills. But I think it's also important just to sort of recognize the fact that, you know, it's important 
to work in an establishment that, that you have some sort of input or say. Yeah. And focus on, you know, I, I believe I, I love independent boutique hotels. If you're just trying to break through the industry, that's what I would I would lean towards and applying yeah. towards those hotels because I think you'll have a better chance of getting heard yeah. or even being taken seriously if you're applying and you have no relevant experience. You could be a professional that's worked in you could be an accountant that says, I'm done, I want to be in hotels. Yeah. They can be like, what what? You know, yeah, and how's that? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that if you look at the boutique hotels, the independence, you'll have a chance there. So yeah. I think that's something something I'd recommend. Beautiful, brother. And what what about for photographers that are really interested in your aesthetic and what you've done? You know, any any words of wisdom for those that can't afford to like it yet, but but are very interested in put the iPhone down, yeah, and go and buy uh, uh, a discontinued camera. Yeah, if you can't afford one, just buy a discontinued one. I started off on Nikon D100. I oh, I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I paid $100 for that camera. And nice. It was, really, it was discontinued for, I think, a couple of years when I started. But essentially, you're not going to really understand photography until you're holding the camera in your hand. Right. And that really will teach you about how, how narrow your focus needs to be. Yeah. You know? It's important to to lean into something as opposed to hold it out in front of your face. And if you really want to be a photographer, I'd recommend picking up any camera. Doesn't matter yeah. what kind it is, as long as it's in your hand and it's physical, and you could really line up and see how the light changes things. Yeah. As opposed to just hitting a dot on your phone. Point and shoot. Yeah. 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 Get get a camera. Get an old digital SLR. Get a fifty millimeter lens. It's not expensive, and just start from there. And you'd be surprised how quickly you'd be inspired. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. That's a, such yeah. beautiful advice. And final question, you know, yeah. man, for it's, it's been, it's been, it's such a tough year, you know, that yeah. we've talked about it on the podcast. What's, what's kept you inspired? How did you, how did you not cave to despair? I, uh, when the pandemic started, I said to myself, I need to come out of this better than I did going in. Yeah. And, you know, I really focused on that. I mean, I really did. I mean, I changed a lot. I mean, I cut my alcohol intake significantly, dropped 20 pounds. Amazing. Um, You know, I, my personal life has blossomed. I'm engaged, you know. Congratulations, Um, Leo. That's amazing. Thank you. And, uh, you know, professionally, my bond with the Bowery has only gotten stronger, as you can see. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it also allowed me to sort of, you know, I I, I, look, luck is a big part of it, I think, in a lot of ways. But I think that, you know, somebody once told me you have to be in the right place to be able to redeem that luck. Yeah. You know, but I think it has, you have to just have a steady mind. You know, for me, it was important to say that when this is over, I cannot be worse than I was going in. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, going in, I, was, I wasn't I was a mess, obviously, but I definitely w- lived in some sort of excess in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that was really it. I stayed focused. I mean, I stayed focused on moving forward and 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 curbing my bad – I get not bad this this. this mistakes but the things that sort of derailed me I, yeah I ma- to, making a conscious yeah. effort to be yeah. better 
Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that you know, was reading, a lot of self-improvement, some self-therapy, some, yeah. you know, not drinking, definitely certain helps. It Declare, gives you a lot of yeah. clarity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, also, you know, once you, once you get into that momentum, it's hard to go backwards. Yeah. You know, once you recognize that things are really in a lot of levels, your own control, it's hard to let go of that control. Yeah. It's hard to say, ah, oh, yeah, screw it. Let me, nah, you know, I will say this when, when, when it started, I said to myself, uh, no more halal guys, no more fast Chinese food <laughs> and, uh, no more, no more, no more street pizza. Uh, uh the street that slice. Itself. That's Duh. amazing. Done. I love that. Well, so, you know, it's been, it's been good. It's yeah. been good. Yeah. Well, Leo Jacob, man, you know, I know we're just kind of meeting in person, but yeah. I'm fucking proud of you, dude, man. I'm, I'm so excited for all that's to come for you. And let's do this again when the, when the book's out and uh, I'm, I'm going to come see you next week at the hotel. Come by, man. We'll hang out. All right, dude. I got so much love for you, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate all right. it. All right. Thank you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.